Good Wednesday, and welcome to another episode of A Woman's Soul Restored. I am LaTanya Hendry. Last week I said that this week I wanted to talk about the newness that can be born from the tragedies that happen in our lives. But because of an email I received, I prayed on it and decided to talk about what the young lady wanted to discuss in her email. And it was something I already knew, something I heard about some years ago and followed as different people that I look up to spoke on it. And she basically wanted to know because she had an illness when she was a child. And because of her illness, it made her more susceptible when her mother's boyfriend came in and would molest her. And this touched deeply with me because I had an illness as a child. I was an asthmatic and still am an asthmatic. I take my inhaler with me. I have my inhaler in my vehicle. There's two or three places in my house where I have my abuterol. But as a child, it wasn't easily accessible to have um, medications for children. So I would have to be hospitalized and this like oxygen tank would be over me. It was like almost like, and those of you that are old enough remember the movie, The Boy in the Bubble with John Travolta and I forgot who else was in it. But basically that was me as a child. Every time I would get sick, I would have to go into the hospital and receive oxygen, and it just was a horrible experience as a child. But because I had those limitations of being an asthmatic and not being able to go out and play with the other kids, it restricted me to the house a good bit. And my grandmother would go out, and that's who raised me, but my grandmother would go out and clean people's houses. And when she would go out, that's what my grandfather, step-grandfather would do, what he did to me. But it was because I was more susceptible as a, what they used to call it back then, a sickly child, um, that he had more access to me. I wasn't able to go out. I was in the house. So because I was in the house, he was able to do the things that he did to me. So within speaking with this young lady because I ended up calling her. She put her email on the, um, when she sent me her email, she put her telephone number on there because she said she wanted me to reach out. And of course, at the end of the podcast, well, I never put my, I put my email address and what have you, but I never put my phone phone number out. But because her email touched me and I really I wanted to discuss it with her because she had tended to feel like she was alone, that none of her friends that she grew up with was in the same predicament she was. So when we ended up talking, I let her know that, no, she's not alone. And she was younger than me. She was in her 20s. But I let her know that, you know, I've encountered people in their 20s that have gone through similar situations like her. But also people in my age that really, you didn't discuss it, you didn't talk about it, you were told to shut up and that's what you did. You didn't try to, you know, say something about it to someone or bring awareness to it. No one knew. Well, I was, I was going to say no one knew, but a few people knew what was going on to, with me in that house. My grandmother knew. I don't know the length of time that she found out, but I know for certain 
that she knew what was happening to me in that house and um, no one really intervened. But that's the topic I want to talk about today when sickness aids or intruder or aids or molester or it, it benefits them when a child is sickly or when a child does not have access to go like how regular children would do. Now, it's still a tragedy when any child get molested. Let me put that out there right now because I don't want it to make it seem like it's a free pass for a healthy child to get molested. There is no pass in any um, arena or any format for any child to get molested, any child to get raped, any child to get abused. There is no room for that. But what I'm specifically speaking about is when a child is in and out hospital or when a child has health issues or when something is going on with that child too where they're more prone to be in the house than outside. I missed a lot of days of school because I couldn't go to school when I had an asthma attack. So my grandmother would keep me home and my grandfather would have step-grandfather um, would have to stay home with me. And those were his opportunities. Um, so as me and this young lady connected over this tragedy that both of us endured and her illness was that she had sickle cell and um, she was in and out of the hospital a lot and still has frailties. But with her frailties and, and I'm not discussing her story without her permission, she gave me I, I emailed her a, a format to where she could sign it, where a release so that I could share her story. And one of these days, when she's strong enough, I would hope to be able to get her on the podcast so that she can share her story herself. But I understand not being strong enough because I wasn't strong enough for years to share my story. It's just within the last eight years I have been sharing my story of what happened to me as a child. Now, I shared the um, rape when I was 16 and... uh, domestic abuse with my daughter's father but I had no memory of the childhood events until the last eight years or so seven or eight years and even in the beginning I still was hesitant because it's a this is taboo that comes along with that it's a shame that comes along with it and you don't feel like people will understand if you share and then you feel a certain way about yourself especially I say step because he was my step grandfather and she said that was her mother's boyfriend but they were not married but just even in that it's a shame but if you think about the children that have fathers or mothers that molested them and the shame that comes along with that a blood relative did this to you a close blood relative and maybe the the child may have gotten pregnant from the father and it's just different scenarios that comes along with that shame but is speaking with her it just shed a light to me about an area that I had not tapped into yet on my podcast about children that are ill that get sexually molested and then I also thought about seniors that are in in homes or the people that are um, 
invalids and they can't move and and maybe they're on um the oxygen machine and and the machine is just keeping them alive you it's staggering the stories that you hear of those people those vulnerable citizens getting um, raped inside of those homes and inside of nursing homes and wherever they're being kept that they have a personal care provider that personal care provider taking advantage of them in the most intimate way they had a story a few years ago about a um, young lady and it ended up doing a movie about it I'll do some research because I don't remember the name right offhand. but this young lady ended up pregnant and the thing that baffled everyone was that she was incapacitated. She was unable to move. She was on a breathing machine. But yet, here she lie pregnant. And they ended up, you know, doing a rape kit on her and, and, and you know, running the DNA and finding out it was one of the, the, the guys that took care of her um, was responsible for her well-being and ended up taking advantage of her in the worst way. Um, unfortunately the baby did not survive and in the process of that I guess she made it to the childbirth stage but she barely survived herself and I think her family ended up taking her off life support not too long after that event Um, but what a what a what a way for a family to have to go through this they're already going through what they're suffering through with their loved one but then have to see that someone took advantage of them like that and for them to get pregnant and just just the tragedy of it all is almost bringing tears to my eyes now but these are the type of people that we encounter in this society and they dress normal like us they put on their underwear one leg at a time or one hole at a time or however you may choose to say it but we have some despicable and horrible human beings that reside right with us right next door or they work with us or they go to church with us and it's horrible what these people are capable of doing and still live a normal life like nothing's happened um i wanted to touch on that this week about how this affects you as you're older this young lady is so broken and so I would. I don't want to use a word that she would not use, but one of the words she used was disgusted with herself. And I totally understand that at the time when I was going through my discovery and my remembrance, I was disgusted with myself because even though you are a child and have no control over what an adult does to you, you still feel it. You still, it's still there. So, she said she was stuck at age eight, which is when her earliest remembrance of when things began to happen to her up until age 10. So she had two years to endure what she went through. So she said she was stuck at between ages eight to 10. And I have heard that, like I said previously, that different um, doctors and psychoanalysts and psychiatrists have said and even coaches have said that when when a tragedy happens to a child you don't grow you physically grow into your maturity in your body but your mind and your state of mind is at that place where whatever event happened to you 
So after the break, we're, we're going to get a little more into this, a little more in depth, and um, we'll see where the conversation leads right after the break. So hello, this is LaTanya Hendry with A Woman's Soul Restored, and we are back. Today we are talking about when a child is ill and goes through a traumatic event, and what does that do to their psyche, even as an adult, growing up and knowing that you're going through a molestation or a rape or um, incest or whatever may be going on in the house and to grow up with that and not being helped as a child you grow up with that inside your mind that something is wrong with you the opportunities that happen because you're sick and unable to go outside and play like regular kids you have to be inside and your caregiver takes advantage of that so where is she where is that eight-year-old that my listener emailed me about um that she's stuck at 26 but still at age 8 to 20, 8 to 10 in our minds we are still stuck even though physically we're the age that we're supposed to be we have developed in our body but not in our mind um not in our spirit there is such a like I said, a taboo or a stigma that comes along with when something like that happens to you as a child, just in general. But when you have an illness that comes along with that, like I said, with this young lady, it was sickle, it is sickle cell anemia. With myself, it was asthma. That these people seek this as an opportunity and more access to you instead of helping you through what you're going through. So... Where is this child? Where is she? Where is the she that this happened to that we suppressed down in our subconscious and we continued with our life? And we may have, she doesn't have any children, but I had children. By the time I was her age, I had three. Um, And they're adults now. But I thank my children. Well, I thank God first, but my children was the only reason I'm saying today, the only reason that I pushed through a lot of the things that I wanted to do myself, including um, suicide, was because I was responsible for these little people. I had my daughter at 16, I had one son at 25, and I had another son at 26. So my boys are 13 months apart. And that woke me up to a reality that, okay, you're a mom, you have to take care of these children and the thing about it is they have different fathers all my children have different fathers and I used to be even ashamed to say that but I brought life to them I made a decision not to have an abortion but to have my children in these relationships that I was in and my youngest son is by my current husband but at the time we were not together I have been married since then and that's when I suffered the abuse during the marriage in between my son's birth and when I got married to this husband. But the she and my she was as early as I can remember up until age 11. So when my step-grandfather passed away, that's when my abuse stopped. So I was 
suppressed as an 11 year old so suppressed that my memory I did not have no memory of that um and I thank God like I said last week I thank God I didn't for my sanity but what about those people that do remember what about those young women and young men that remember the abuse that happened to them and they've grown up and maybe started families and have done the things they have done in their lives and, and are doing but where is that child where is she or even where is he but specifically since this is a woman's soul restored we're going to address the women today the little girl that didn't grow up the little girl that's still stuck in a bed getting molested or having unspeakable things done to her where is that little girl even though you're all grown up and you may have a little girl yourself because i tell you i was so protective of my little girl she couldn't even sit on her own father's lap that's how overprotective i was of her and he never made any indication even though he was abusive with me after we separated, he was very attentive to her, his daughter, loved her because that was his only child. But because of what I went through, I, if I even saw him trying to pick her up and sit her on his lap, I would it would be an argument. And we weren't even together. He had remarried since then. I was pregnant with my oldest son, but and, and he always was active in her life. But just the fact that what happened to me, most of the time, my step-grandfather would call me and let me have me sit on his lap. And he was a very old man, very frail man, but I was a child, so of course he was stronger than me. But most instances happened, happened when I was on his lap. So even to this day, I hate to see any child sitting on a man's lap and it's not saying that that guy is doing anything that's just what I have to get healed from and what I need mending from but this young lady said the same thing about the lap situation she said she has a niece that unfortunately the person her mother's boyfriend and her mother had to raise her niece because of an event it was actually two sons and a niece But that niece, which is now 19, has come forth and said that, you know, she got molested as well. So these perpetrators have a boldness about them to not want to stop, especially if they get away with something. They continue and they get bold with it. You know, she said most of the time she said she really believes that her mother did not know anything because her mother worked two jobs. Her father was stepfather, step. I don't even know if you could call him stepfather because they weren't married, but she said she didn't know her father, so this was the only person that she could see in a father's role. But he worked in the daytime. He worked part-time job because he had a disability. Hint, disability. So he had already had something wrong with him, so he could not work a full-time job. And according to how she said it, he worked under the table um, because he was getting his social security or disability or something but he would work under the table a few hours um a night just to have extra income to come in the house but her mother still worked two jobs but because her mother worked like how she worked he was home with her and when the i guess her aunt passed and the 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 cousins came to live with her um 
they all kind of grew up. She was way older, but, you know, they, they were in the house together, and I guess she had passed the age of him messing with her, so he moved on to their niece, which was her little cousin. But it's odd and it's strange how, you know, it takes a lot for these people to get caught. And, yes, we have laws in place and more younger ages they they have a bonus themselves to come forward and tell what is going on in the house or tell us what's happened to them but for every two that do it's still around six to eight that don't that they get threatened or something is going on to where they have a fear to not say anything so where is she i beg to ask that question where is she lost in translation lost in the the thoughts and lost in the the suicide attempts and lost in taking drugs and we we see these people walking around on the street and we want to assume that they want to be like how they are but people handle things differently some of these grown women walking around being prostitutes and taking drugs are the same 11, 12, even 5, 6-year-olds that were molested and have not grown up. So they're doing the best they can to cope. Now, some women want to be out there doing what they're doing. But I will be willing to promise you that a large majority don't. I will will beg you to open your minds and think differently. That something, some event went on in this person's life when they were young that left them stunted in their growth. And even though physically they're an adult and making what seems like an informed decision decision to do the things they're doing, it's a coping mechanism to help get past the thoughts. There's no telling where I would have been at if I even still would have been alive if I didn't make a conscious decision to live for my children and then I realized that I couldn't do it for my children, I had to do it for myself. Because I did use drugs. I I did sniff cocaine. I I did smoke weed almost on a daily basis. I did drink a lot to try to drown out memories and not even remembering the childhood stuff, just the, the rape when I was 16 and the domestic violence and so many other things that happened to me in my young life. I would drink and drug out to try to self-medicate. So how many of these people out here are self-medicating? How many of them trying to find out where is they, where, where are they? Where is that young girl that 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 that's suppressed down in their subconscious that they keep trying to drown that memory and they're doing they're sleeping with men they're doing whatever they are sleeping with women because the rate of homosexuality in women can is a is can be linked to a molestation as a child even in young men uh, something that happened to them as a child something that was taken from them when they were so innocent and could not defend themselves they have been left in a state of not trusting an opposite sex relationship so they get in a same sex relationship we have to be mindful and be prayerful for people and not be judgmental yeah some people want to do what they're doing and if they grown and they grown enough to do what they want to do that's them but I'm talking about for those that's struggling, trying to figure out why am I like this? I don't want to be like this. 
I don't want to live like this. But they continue to live like that because each time the thought waves or sweeps over them, they want to get rid of it. So they do whatever they can. They try the best, whatever way that works. So where does that leave us? Because while they're looking for that young person inside of them, here we go judging the adult person that we see in front of us. What makes us different is that most of us, and I'm saying us in this state because some of us that have went through something, we still judge people <laughs> because we haven't got to the consciousness yet that that's wrong. You know, even if they are doing it because they want to do it, we still can't judge them. We could pray for them. We, if, if, they're, if, if they're open enough to let us talk to them like this young lady was, she didn't have to. I actually got three emails last week, and I was surprised because this was the first, last week was the first episode on, on Anchor. But I was, I'm not going to say surprised. I'm going to take that back. But the in-depth of even the other two emails were astonishing. And I did reach out to the other two as well. And I thank you all for tuning in and listening because this format is important to me because not saying that I'm know-it-all and and can help everybody, but I can help whom I can because most of the stuff I went through, I had to deal with on my own. I didn't have anybody. And that's a lonely place to be. It's lonely and it, it, your mind will take off from you while you're trying to find out where is she and why is she suppressed inside of you and what do you need to do to bring her out and to heal her and to let her catch up with who you are now in your 20s, 30s, 40s and at my age of 54. What do you need to do to catch that little girl up with you so that you could be whole and healed and delivered? Well, I will say this. We all here to help one another. But it's a choice and a decision if we do. We can continue to judge people or we can extend a loving hand, a compassionate hand to help out. Now, some people just don't want want help because when I was in my 20s, I didn't want any help. And I'm just being honest. I, I wasn't a people person. I didn't want people bothering with me. I had a few select friends that I would talk to. But for the most part, I didn't want to be healed. I wanted to hurt because I wanted to hurt everybody else around me. And like I said, the only reason that I came to my senses and decided that I wanted to live not like that, but to live a healthy life was because of my children. But before, especially before I had my sons, when I had my daughter, I was not a very pleasant person. I was very mean, and everybody that encountered me, they encountered that mean spirit because I was not nowhere near healed, and I didn't want to be healed, and I didn't want to talk to people because I'm just going to say some people in my family made me feel bad. So I felt I didn't have nobody to go to. But I'm thankful that God was mindful of me And I do believe in God, so if you don't believe in God, this might not be the podcast for you. 
but I believe that God saved me for a greater purpose. One of those purposes is what I'm doing now to help women, not only in ministry, but just in my everyday walk. If I see somebody on the street that looks like they need help, I'll talk to them because I was once on the street and people walked past me and I desperately needed help. So we have to make up our minds that we want to help people instead of add to their hurt. Help people to help women to find that little girl that's suppressed. Help them to get her up so that she can be healed. And so they can, our women, women can be whole. That we can be as whatever we want to be in life. But we can't be anything if we are broken and suppressed and and the, the thoughts that race through our minds of, of things that we have no business even thinking about. We have to help one another in this struggle, in this thing called life. We have to help one another get to a different standard, a different mindset, a different thought process, a different way of living, a different way of treating one another. Some women that are hurt just like I was, and that's why I can say this, they don't even want to see anyone happy because they're not happy themselves. So they would do anything, everything to bring misery into your life if you try to help them and they're not ready to accept that help. So I will say use discernment. Don't get entangled with someone that's not ready for what you're willing to offer because if you do, they're going to drain you dry and then they're going to leave you and keep moving. And you're going to be stuck wondering what did you do wrong. So I'm going to let you know beforehand you didn't do anything wrong. You just encountered the wrong person. You tried to help someone that was not ready for that help yet. But for that one that's not ready, there are many that are. So just be compassionate towards people when you see them walking about in the streets, even the ones that have lost their minds because maybe the thoughts have overtaken them and they just couldn't take it anymore. And they went crazy and they're around here walking the streets, talking to themselves and shaking their hair and pulling their hair and you just wonder, oh, they're just crazy. Something took them there. Something took them to that place. They couldn't reach her deep down inside so then the thoughts took over it took over so what I want us to do as women is get rid of that stereotype that we can't help one another get rid of that thing that you know is all about me and my household because the village encompasses everybody and if the village if somebody in the village is hurt we should be hurt too we should feel their pain so if we know somebody and we, we might have an inkling, even information about what they've gone through, but we don't want to get involved. You have to get involved. You have to do something. You have to say something. There's no telling what little word you may say to them that helps them in their recovery and helps them in their life. Let's not be that person. Let's not be that woman that turns her nose up at somebody that we can help. But because we've reached this pinnacle in our life to where I don't want to get involved in that, that's her problem. We don't want to do anything and then that person is left to fend for themselves and their own devices and those thoughts in their mind overtake them. So I'm going to leave you with that thought for this week. 
Um, if you would like to send me an email, please send me an email at awomansoulrestored at gmail.com. The website is www.livelifenowlovelifenow.net. I can be reached on my personal page on Facebook at Latanya Wiggins Hendry or on the podcast um, page on webs on Facebook, which is A Woman's Soul Restored. Just be, I want to leave you with this thought for today because I can't speak on this if I didn't live it. And I know as many of women, young, old, and just think of the generation before me that really was taught not to say anything. They, they, in their 70s and some in their 80s, and they were taught not to say anything, so they don't. And it's stuck with them, and they've kept that for, for decades, for decades. So when we're thinking about our young people, let's think about our seniors, too, that she's still finding, trying, they're trying to find their her trying to find out where is she where is she at but some of them gotten to the point where they don't even think about it anymore they have become numb to the pain and anything that you take to them they're going to be numb to you as well and that's not only with our older citizens that's with some of our young people as well they have numbed themselves so well until they have numbed themselves out of life and they have no compassion for you or anyone else but let's think about those that have not numbed themselves out. Let's think about those that need us, need to hear what we have to say. If you would like to be a guest on A Woman's Soul Restored, please reach out to me. Send me an email and I will send you the schedule so you could be a guest so that you could share your story. So for this week, this is Latanya Hendry with A Woman's Soul Restored. Be blessed.